Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, Scott Bass. Yeah. Big news for our listeners this week. Uh, thanks to Thanksgiving in the U.S. and Black Friday, NVS Fins at surfnvs.com is having a 25% off all Apex Fins for Black Friday sale. You know what? No promo is needed, and the sale will run through midnight on Monday, the 28th of November. So get over to NVS, surfnvs.com, 25% off all Apex fins. I'm sure people have uh, who have not purchased Apex fins yet, but they've heard about us talk about them for years. Uh, this is the opportunity to get off the fence, you know? This is like 25% off. It's a no-brainer. The fins are already priced lower than most fins that you see on the shelf anyway. So definitely jump on that. It's a big kind of once-in-a-long-time deal. I've never seen them been discounted that much. And then waterwaystravel.com as well. We've got an update there. Yeah. Um, look, waterways travel. If you're going on a surf trip, you need to use the best and disregard the rest. And waterways travel and waterwaystravel.com. Sean and Brian and the crew over there have been doing this for not a little while. We're talking probably north of three decades. Maybe yeah. more. 1994. So almost three. Um, but you talked two or three weeks ago, you pitched the idea of we should do a listener surf trip. I reached out to Brian and um, he had just landed in Tavarua two hours prior to getting my email. So he's like, dude, I'm just getting settled here. But I love the idea. That timeline totally works. You had mentioned April would be a good idea. So yeah. he's like, he's like, let me get settled in here for a bit. Maybe on the way when I am uh, get back to the the office. I'll put something together for you guys so you can understand pricing and your options and all that. So we will inform the listeners of the potentiality of that coming together finally. That sounds killer. A, a, a surf trip with David and Scott. And um, who knows, maybe we'll be getting spit out of the tube or screaming at our friends that are getting spit out of the tube. A spit surf trip in Central America, perhaps. Man, getting spit out of a tube is long overdue for me waterwaystravel.com hell yes as we see some movement at the takeoff zone it's kelly slater grabbing rail a clean entry this thing holding open it spits when it spit me i thought it was going to spit me off my board comes out with the spit spits him out comes out after the spit gets spat out of another good looking wave here spit 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 we're just spitballing right yeah i got
Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Yeah, friggin' guy. You know what? It's a yeah, guy type of week because it's Thanksgiving week here in, uh, well, in North America and the United States. I guess they don't do Thanksgiving overseas, do they? They don't have anything like that in in New Zealand. Where, who, by the way, I haven't heard from our friend Rainbow in a while. Do they have a Thanksgiving in New Zealand? Do they have a Thanksgiving? Do they have some sort of like fall? Of course, it's not fall there, so they don't. But I wonder if in their fall, say in April, they have some sort of like harvest festival or something like that. And yeah, celebrating when the colonizers came over. <laughs> oh my God, I'm I'm I am fascinated by human history, man. It's just fascinating. Um, it's so funny that you mentioned Rainbow, because last night I had the same exact thought. I was kind of getting ready for today's show. And I'm like, you know, what? I haven't heard from. For... Actually, it was when I was I saw AG1 and I saw New Zealand. And that made me think of Rainbow. So I need to send him an email, check in on him. Yeah, I hope he's doing well. I hope we haven't put him off. Maybe we put him off somehow. Who knows? He's got rather thick skin. Though. I doubt we've done anything wrong. You know what, though? Even my favorite podcasts, I get burned out on. Listen to yep. them for a few years and then take a couple years off. So no hard feelings either way. Um, <clears throat> people also missed us last week, Scott. Well, that's kind. I'm, that's nice to hear. Um, and I missed us. I mean, I missed us talking and having a moment. We tried, but um, I was derailed by a, a group of guys and gals that I was surfing with. And uh, that's okay. It happened. Can you reveal where you were and what you were doing? Okay, yeah. So I was in Nicaragua. My wife and I took a little, like, kind of like a um, segunda luna de miel, you know, like a second honeymoon, if you will, in Nicaragua. And um, I went to Room to Rome Experiences, which is, if you want to check out their website, it's roomtorome.com. And they have these great, uh, they have great locations, Bali, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, and they provide, um, like, if you want to do a trip with the wife where you're going to get to surf, but you also are going to want to spend time doing other things, the Room to Room um, website's a cool thing. They have all these experiences. So we went to, um, as I mentioned, Nicaragua, and my wife and I uh, went to Omotepepe, Omotepepe, Omotepe, Omotepe, which is in the middle of Lake Nicaragua, there are these two volcanoes. And um, we had just a great, God, what a cool place this the this island in the middle of Lake Nicaragua is. You're staying on an island in the lake? No, that was just one of the day trips we oh, took. Oh, okay. I was okay. staying on the beach at um, Playa Gigante, but which is right next to all the surf spots. Yeah. But, you know, the my point is, is that you can surf and then you can take these day trips. You can do like half day trips or full day trips so that you can spend time with your significant other, but also get plenty of surfing in as well. So it's kind of a good hybrid surf trip. Did you actually get decent waves at all? Or how's the surf? Well, the swell was kind of small. I got one day at Colorado's where I got a couple of little, couple of little moments, you know, but overall the surf was basically two to three feet. Um, not nothing too special, but, but it's always special, you know, like two to three feet, warm water, fast peeling, zipping little beach break. It was fun, you know, just staying busy, like surfing multiple times a day, catching waves, like just getting back in the rhythm like that. We don't get a lot of opportunities to do when you're at home, going through your daily life and your work and everything else. Exactly. So, that's exactly. good. Yeah, it was good. Good. 
Good. Um, well, lots to catch up on. We've got a big show today. Um, we're giving away that fireball fish. We should open with that. Dennis Jarvis will custom shape one for the winner on December 1st. That's part of our kind of thank you to our listeners who support us at five or 10 bucks a month. Um, so you could set up that subscription on surfsplendorpodcast.com if you want, and then be entered to win that. Um, anybody who's contributing in the month of November is entered to win. So if you aren't yet, no problem, get in before the end of the month and we'll get you into that and randomly select a winner. And then of course, let me, let me ask you a question. Is it possible that anyone can, can subscribe and be entered? Yes. I mean, anyone. Yes. So I could, I could subscribe, (laughs) I could subscribe and win this board. I've never once had to create rules for this and I don't want to. So just play nice and don't subscribe. <laughs> okay. Or maybe I'll just, or, I'll just order a board from Dennis. Yeah. By the way, what did you bring to Nicaragua? I brought one board and that was one, you know, you know me and the listeners might know this about me, but I like to travel without surfboards which is funny. It's kind of ironic that I have all of these boards, but I, but I just hate schlepping them around. Yeah. And as I've told you many times, all I'm really doing is a bottom turn anyway. And I can kind of do that on any board. And a lot of these spots have boards like room to Rome has tons of boards, but anyway, to answer your question, I wrote, I brought a six to sunset surfboard shaped by Todd McFarland that he made me a while ago. It's a round tail thruster with a ton of concave in the tail. And, um, it's great little trifin that, you know, it's kind of like my go-to trifin for beach breaks, you know, for fast, legit, you know, speedy waves that you have to fly and that have enough power and juice so that you don't need necessarily, you know, a twin fin or, or a fish or whatever, where, you know, there's plenty of speed inherent in the waves themselves. Yeah. And so a trifin feels real solid and, and real good. And so, yeah, that's what I wrote and I loved it. And I'm Look real stoked. You. Yeah. Still riding the 6'2 trifin. Yeah, and that's my that's my move from the five ten. You know, I've gone from the five ten to the six two. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, a couple of things. John John's gravity landed on the internet for forty eight hours. We could discuss that. Um, there was that localism article on Stab that a bunch of people sent us that we could discuss. Um, I had not received so many submissions from listeners, like as many as that article. At, yeah. you know, like 10 or 12 people messaging yeah. me about that. And then of course, Stab High wrapped up in spectacular fashion, I thought for episode four. Rad. Yeah. So, um, well, what's the lead here? I guess. Stab. Let's go Stab think, High. Yeah. Stab High. So lay, lay it out for me because I will admit I hadn't seen the final episode. Okay. You, uh, you're in for a treat. Yeah. It, it really ends kind of with a bang um sierra kerr i hate to spoil it for you since you haven't seen well, no, it, i'm but... kind of trim i'm kind of going to watch it right now I would okay. talk, which is wrong well, but no don't don't save it because you should actually give it your full attention okay i'd, I'd hate to have you shortchange it yeah um sierra kerr absolutely shows up and blows up in a huge fashion um it was not only did she, I don't know if you saw the air because Stab's been posting it a number of times from different angles. She does kind of 
un, unequivocally the greatest air that a female surfer has ever done. It's a full rotation air right into the flats and lands it completely buttery, no layback, no nothing. The section that she does it on is well overhead for her. And it is an end section, but it's like a hucking end section. So she's going fast. There's this closed out at the end of the reef and she just goes straight into the thing and boom, projects towards the flat, the flats, full rotation and just stomps it greasy. But she had already done a bunch of other airs that would have won the event throughout. So she showed up at the final and the waves were really good for airs. And she just goes bang, 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 and keeps elevating the game. And um, it's insane. And prior to that, I forget who the other, one of the other competitors was, whether in the final, but she decided to go left, which wasn't as good of a wave, but she's just more confident landing airs on her backhand. And she's doing these small airs that, you know, ultimately will net a five point score. And as we've seen so many times in WCT women's events, you know, when it's at pipe and there's barreling waves and then somebody goes and does turns and gets a five, well, then the other competitors go, shoot, I just got to get a five, five. So then they go to turns and ended up the final happens and nobody gets barreled at pipeline basically. And I saw that starting to play out in this heat. And I was like, oh no, this cannot happen again. But then Sierra, boom, lays down the law with a nine, you know, and then all the other girls realize, oh shoot, we got to step up. And uh, Katie Simmers, there was a moment here that made me super excited to watch this rivalry develop for the next decade. Because Katie, she's fully capable and she is just seething at the fact that Sierra is the one doing it. And she's not, you know, you could see her. She's actually irate. And she's out, she's a 16 year old girl dropping F-bombs. Just like, I think Sierra paddled out from the big air that she won with. Yeah. And Katie told her to F off. She's like, F you, you know? Right. Yeah. And so, and you see her also afterwards during the awards ceremony, I almost screenshotted her face because she's sitting there with her arms folded, just seething. And then once the reveal happened, she knew she was uh, Sierra was going to win. There didn't need to be judges involved. It was a foregone conclusion. But as soon as the champagne or whatever breaks out, the beers, and they're pouring them on Sierra's head, Katie drops all of that and celebrates for her. So, but her competitive spirit, you can absolutely see. You know, what we see on the WSL so often where the girls are just overwhelmingly kind and nice and reverential to all their other competitors, we got to see some actual tension and competitive fire here, which I absolutely loved. Well, that's cool. I'm looking forward to seeing it. And there's they tease a little bit of, you know, like um, I think Stabs had put a teaser on, on there, something about, uh, did we just see the best error we've ever witnessed? And I'm wondering, is that the Sierra Kerr error? Yes. That's what they were teasing. Yeah. 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 Um, that was the most spectacular moment, I think, of the entire event. The men were doing more spectacular airs, but... Uh, you know, not mind blowingly breakthrough. Let's just felt yeah. like a breakthrough. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So the Sierra Kerr and um, perhaps the most kind of uh, poignant moment was during the end credits, Josh Kerr crying over the oh, really? celebration. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. It really is. I mean, when she landed that air, 
everybody who was on the judge's tower flipped out. Everybody in the water flipped out. And then back at the beach at the restaurant where they were watching it, you could, it's like a long way away. So you could see it in the distance or they were also streaming it on the TVs there. But that entire restaurant erupted. You know, they just knew. One of the male competitors even said, I was looking at it live way out at the peak and it looked huge from here. And if it looks huge from this distance, that means it was legit, you know? And so then people are asking Josh and Josh is just, he's like, you know, to be honest, we would have found somewhere better to surf because of the way the wind is. And it's kind of like chunky. We wouldn't have just gone out here and like forced the issue and tried to learn airs, but this yeah. competitive format actually progressed her abilities, you know? And he's like, the fact that she actually showed up and delivered, I'm just really proud of her. And yeah. then they show him crying at the end. That's cool. Really I'm, cool. I'm, I'm stoked to see that. And, you know, it's good to see good things happen to good people. So I'm excited for Sierra and for Josh and for, and I'm looking forward, as you mentioned, you know, I I don't think I've ever been as excited. For, I know I haven't ever been as excited for, for women's pro surfing. In fact, I've never been excited for women's pro surfing, except for I'm kind of excited. I mean, I have. I've enjoyed some of the finals and stuff and some of the events, like especially at um, Honolulu Bay. Like the, there's been events that have been fun and that have been and that have had rivalries, you know. Um, but Caitlin Simmers is what she's going to bring to the table, I believe, is is exciting, you know, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I will say I'm kind of bummed that I feel like old guard surfers like Stephanie Gilmore, I mean, um, Sally Fitzgibbons, you know, I feel like Sally Fitzgibbons would be a good coach for Caitlin Summers. You know what I mean? Like she's, she's been in, she's been at, she's done it all, you know? And um, I don't think she's ever won a world title, but no, but even more, more reason. seconds, more Even seconds more, than anybody. I, th- I think she'd be a, a great coach for Caitlin Simmers, but. Yeah. Well, um, I agree with you that I've never been more excited for women's surfing. And part of the reason, what part of the reason is um, there's, I mean, maybe Carissa Moore. I, I have a hard time thinking of anybody currently on the CT who could actually defend they're standing against some of these young girls. I think Carissa Moore can, and they've certainly got competitive savvy that these young girls are just going to take time to learn. Um, Carissa's game is really well-rounded, but that air game that these young girls have is a whole different dimension, you know? And it feels like the Brazilian storm did a couple of years back where maybe five or seven years ago, where it's very exciting and we could point to the airs but you could always still say, yeah, but they don't have as well roundedness or maybe big waves. They don't have that. A couple of these girls, I feel like uh, it won't take long. Caitlin Simmers, Sierra Kurt won't take more than two years for them to develop a little bit uh, larger body so that they have the power, a little bit more comfort in big waves, and they could be bringing it to the Chris's of the world. Yeah, the, the I, I hate to project a problem. Um, but I'm and so I'm hoping this doesn't happen. But for for that to for Carissa to be threatened, the judging criteria need, and the judges need to be in a mindset that when 
and the girls need to be told up front, we're going to be scoring errors heavily, you know, because it's very easy for Caitlin or for Sierra Kerr. Is she even on the tour? I don't even think she no. is. But, but my point is, is that the young guns, the young girls, the, the what are the, what does Stab call them? The ladybirds? Ladybirds. Those girls can evil, easily get stifled by the judging on the CT or even the QS by the judges. But, but, you know, first of all, they're kind of in awe of Carissa Moore. So you're in a heat with Carissa and Carissa's getting sevens and eights by just ripping, which is what Carissa does. Well, if you're a ladybird, you're kind of like, okay, I guess that, you know, that's going to get me through the heat or, you know, like I'm just concerned that they're going to be tamping down the progressiveness that you and I are so eager to see on the women's side of the equation. And I'm hoping that the judging lets the women know, Hey, this year, you know, like don't hold back. You will be rewarded. Yeah. You know, the judges you can get one same. eight with one, one aerial and let Carissa do 15 off the lips and she'll get a seven, you know? Well, the most progressive surfer in the world, I'll go. There's three. Idolo, John, John, Felipe, full stop. Those are the three most progressive surfers in the world. And the judges tend to reward those surfers. And it's the same judges that judge the women's side of the tour. So if Caitlin Simmer shows up and she is achieving a greater degree of progression as defined by those top surfers, then you would think that they would reward that. I agree. I, and that's what we're hoping. I'm just... Like I said, I hope I'm not projecting negatively on what could occur, but I sense that it happened on the men's side of the equation, you know, say seven or eight yeah. years ago, you know, where it's like, okay, we got all these, like even Josh Kerr is a great example. You know, Josh yeah. Kerr is on tour and here's a chance for a guy to kind of up everyone's game. And just as a competitor, you get kind of lulled into, okay, there's a good left there and he's getting eights on those left. So I'm going to go get those eights as yeah. opposed to, Hey, I'm the reason I'm here is, because I want to lift the whole sport, you know, and maybe to my own detriment or to my own career, but I'm going to go out there and try to bust some stuff. I, I, that's why I'm, I'm hoping that the judges kind of convey, hey, look, we want progression and we're going to reward you. I want you, everyone to know up front for the women, you know, this is going to happen. If you do one incredible error, you're going to be in the eight and nine. You're going to be in excellent range just with one good yeah. error. And then that's going yeah. to put Carissa on notice. So she's like, oh, shit. You know, like, I just think anyway. Well, I would love, this goes for the men and the women, but for Stab High to include some of the CT surfers in these events. Could you yeah. imagine if Carissa Moore was in this event with the Ladybirds? It would yeah. be insane. Yeah. You know, and I think that Carissa clearly has the talent to where she could totally. level up to totally. do some of this. And then I would, on the men's side, I would love to see how Felipe Toledo stacks up against Robbie McCormick and Matt Miola. Yeah, here's the thing, too, is that it's a good time to do that. It seems like the WSL um, and the and the Vans Pipe Masters is sort of a great example of this. The WSL is willing to kind of look the other way if some of their surfers compete in non-sanctioned events. And the Stab High would obviously be a non-sanctioned event. But they're yeah. look, this thing is so incestuous. Stab's very close with what's going on. with They have an open line of communication. It would be probably be good for the WSL in the same way that the Vans Pipe Masters is good for the WSL. If they allowed those girls to do it, uh, they should do it. If they don't already have this idea, David, your idea is excellent. Let's see a CT stab eye. Absolutely. Or just include some of the surfers that are interested in doing airs at that level in the event. 
I mean, how many people are in Stab High? What are there, like 12? Um, I think there was, yeah, like probably 12 women, 18 men, I think. Yeah, there's like, whatever, six heats of four or 10. So point is, is that you split it or you do two thirds, but you de- you're right. You definitely want the Matt Miolas and the Albies and those guys, you know, the Chippa Wilsons in it. And then you bring, so you, whatever it is, let's just say it's 50, 50. And then you bring Kaloha, Kanoa. It doesn't even have to be, doesn't have to be mandated at all. Just no, but I'm just saying what I think the more CT guys you have, the better as far as the, the results of that stab high CT, how they manifest themselves on the actual CT will benefit professional surfing. You see what I'm saying? Like I do. If you get I'm that mindset saying. of aerials and getting scored high on aerials to half of the field that CT guys, when they go then to the CT, they're not going to be as three to the beachy. Yeah. <laughs> if that's well, the for the record, the WSL did attempt to do this with Josh Kerr at the helm yeah. uh, pre pre COVID for about two seasons. Forget airborne Red Bull airborne tour. Yeah. is what they called it, but it was really half yeah, baked. Exactly. Um, they they did it at CT stops in the middle of the event on days that would have been lay days for the main event. And they yeah. did invite non-CT surfers to compete in the event, but um, it's nowhere near as well-formed as Stab yeah. High is. Exactly. So so kudos to Stab High. Uh, kudos to the girls for really showing up. I mean, I'm telling you, I would love if uh, Sierra Kerr actually tried to qualify for the tour because like I said, that potential rivalry between her and Caitlin Simmers is just so Legit. interesting to me. Well, be, their personalities are so different, you know? Sierra is as sweet as the day is long. Um, and Caitlin's fiery as all get out, but they both serve so well and very differently as well, you know? Um, I'm just psyched on it. I want to see more from both of them. And I, I'm really excited to see Caitlin show up on tour this year. I think she's going to really uh, disrupt. Yeah, she's like... Um... Who was who that ginger Aussie guy that was just a fireball? Mick Campbell. Yeah, Mick Campbell. <laughs> Mick Campbell punching Andy Irons in the shower. Yeah. In Japan. Um, well, the on the men's side, do you know who won? No, but let me take a guess. Go for it. Um, I'm probably Matt Miola. It's an unlikely candidate. Uh, unlikely. Okay. Um, I don't know, Matthias Hurdy? No. Aaron Cormican 2.0, Florida's own Robbie McCormick. Oh, wow. Yeah, that wow. I would have never even, yeah. Aaron, remember Gorkin? Oh, yeah. When he when he showed up and he just was ripping, it was like, who is this guy? I saw him, I was surfing like uppers a lot at that time. And there was the guy, the local guys out there who absolutely shred, Chris Ward, you know, whoever. Borkin showed up and I was like, holy cow, this guy is on a different level, even beyond kind of what the local pros were doing. Um, and then of course, all of his lost video stuff. But um, this is Aaron or Robbie McCormick totally reminds me of Gorkin. Same style, same, you know, approach, tons of airs and stuff. Anyways, episode three, Robbie McCormick has a session, one session that is mind blowing. Kind of like I was talking about Sierra Kerr. He lands every single wave that he tries something on, he lands. And it's any one of those would have gotten 
would have won the heat. And they're all different types of airs. Alley-oop rotations, full rotations, different grabs, hitting the lip in weird places, doing two-on-one wave. Just the kid looks unstoppable. And he even mentioned, it's a Florida thing, but he was going for waves that nobody else was even looking at. Everybody was kind of complaining that the session, the uh, conditions weren't that great. He's sitting slightly inside and going on every little lump and then doing a giant air, you know? So that was episode three. And then in episode four, he took the win in kind of a hotly contested final. You know, there's there's definitely something to be said for East Coast chip on the shoulder thing, right? Like it's not, it's a real thing is what I'm saying. It is, yeah. Yeah, it totally is. Um, having, well, okay. The caveat with that is how are they going to do in big waves? Aaron Cormican, as an example, famously was afraid of big waves and he even said it. He's just like, I don't surf big waves. I'm not interested. Um, Kelly Slater has defied that. Of course, the Hobgoods have completely defied that. Todd Holland probably defied that. Jeff Crawford. Yeah. So there's a long list of people who kind of, uh, it's paradoxical. But what's interesting is that by winning this event, Robbie gets a berth into the Vans Pipe Masters. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah. You know, it's, it, and I don't even know if it's a chip on the shoulder. It's more that they're just frothed out. It's it's almost more, it's not that they're like, oh, I can't believe they disrespected me. I'll show them. It's more like, oh my God, the ways are so good. Let's go. We can't, we never have this at home. Like it's more of exactly. that, I think, than it is, you know, that they feel slighted or something. It's just mm-hmm. that they're more stoked. Completely. They've been starved for waves for so long. Um, and that was true at Lakey Peak for sure. By him going on every little wave, it was like, a little chip shot to him is head high. That's the best wave of the year in Florida, you know? Um, So, but the, what's interesting is I don't remember a moment in surfing in a a long time where maybe at least five years could be 10, where somebody has kind of been plucked from obscurity like this, given an opportunity, meeting the opportunity, stealing the show entirely and now has a chance to do the same thing at Pipeline. Like um, uh, uh, Moana Jones Wong last year certainly had a moment like that, but we haven't heard anything from her in the last eight months. You know, Robbie McCormick, I had never heard of the kid until Stab High Costa Rica. I remembered him from that. He didn't win that event, but I was like, whoa, that kid's legit. Like, we'll see what he does with this little bit of limelight that he has. Gets invited back, boom, went, not only wins the thing, but like definitively kind of smokes a very, very impressive field of surfers, session after session after session. And I'm sure he's never surfed pipe before. So it'll be very interesting to see how that uh, opportunity manifests for him. Well, it sounds like an opportunity for a bet between you and I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of losing bets. <laughs> I mean, let me ask you this. Rasta Rob, does he does he get more points in the Vans Pipe Masters than oh Craig Anderson? Oof. That's a that's good a one. Huh? That's, one. <laughs> that's, that's kind of right there. Like that's that was a legit bet right there. Like this is a legit bet. Um I actually like the Rasta Rob McCormick side of the equation, to be honest with you. I'm I'm Craig Anderson's too, like, 
I don't think he's got the competitive mojo. He's he's kind of more like, you know, groovy hippie he's, van life. Oh, it's not good there. Let's just go somewhere else. I miss my heat. He's way too aloof. Yeah, that's kind of the vibe. But on, what, what do you think? Would you take a, Craig Anderson over Rasta Rob and the Vans Pipe Masters? Who gets more points? Not really. I mean, Rob on tenacity alone. I and know. and again, given given the structure of the event, you know, they get to yeah. serve three heats each, yeah. no matter whether how they place in those heats. Yeah. I could see that that being long enough for Rasta to uh get a decent wave or maybe get a get a couple of small waves that he gets scores on. Whereas Craig, I could see him sitting for the entirety of those three heats and not catching a wave, not out of you, fear, but just out of being aloof. Well, maybe, I mean, as you mentioned, or as you know, too, that those three heats are with the same four guys. So a lot of it depends on who you're in a heat with, you know? So in other words, if you're in a heat with Baron Mamiya and Jamie O'Brien. Billy Kemper. Well, no, there's only going to be two Hawaiians in each heat. Oh, okay. And then Craig Anderson and some like more competitively driven Australian guy, or even Hawaii. no, it wouldn't be a Hawaiian. You could Crosby see how, Pinto. Yeah, perfect. So, you know, when you're placing, and by the way, this format's great for betting. Not that I'm a betting, I don't condone betting, but I was just thinking about it as you and I made this up because it's all based on points. Like you could, you could bet this guy over that guy just based on total points you know three heats yeah. but uh, i forget where i was going with that but yeah oh no so whatever your draw is you know whoever's in your heat that's kind of crucial you know like when if you or i were to choose rob over craig you know a lot of it could be well shit you know craig's got johnny boy you know mickey nielsen and marvin foster and he good luck <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I'll I'll be interested to see how that pans out for Rob. When I was saying it'd be interesting to see Felipe or Idolo at Stab High, it was with Rob's performance in mind because I think Rob would have won. Like when I think about hmm. watching Felipe and Idolo go ham on an air session, it's no better than what I saw Rasta Rob do out there. Hmm. And there is the opportunity that, you know, they level each other up, you know, Felipe sees Rob doing what he does. And then Felipe gets even more creative or something. And that's really what you want to see. Exactly. That's why I that's want the Felipe hope. there. Exactly. Yeah. That's the hope because those guys aren't really getting pushed. I mean, I guess those three guys push themselves and maybe you throw Gabby in there too, but um, they're not, you know, to have guys that are like, I don't even, you know, they've got this, I don't even care how I do. I'm going to go out there and bust massive errors and, take a bong load afterwards like i don't care you know what i mean like they're just not ct guys they're just cruisy aerial dudes not not even afterwards by the way yeah, nathan yeah florence, exactly. nathan, during <laughs> during one of the cutaway shots nathan florence even says or not nathan florence nathan fletcher he's like looks like robbie's edible just kicked in <laughs> uh, look i don't condone drug taking um and i'm not i you know i don't know what i'm talking about regarding thc and I've never, uh, I was never involved in any of that edibles, any of that stuff, you know, like, but it, it, what the reason I'm bringing this up is that it must be so much easier to bring weed internationally now if they're just in edibles. Yeah, like totally. It's just a gummy bear, you know? Yeah. Well, Alex Smith, this is kind of a side story, but 
a listener sent me a screenshot. They're like, look at Alex Smith's story. Alex Smith posted a bunch of um, uh, supplements that he's taking and on them or in that batch is something that's a banned sub banned substance from WADA. And presumably the WSL runs on, I think they've even stated as much that they run their drug testing based on WADA's uh, uh, criteria yep, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like, Alex Smith has been competing up until very recently. I mean, who knows if he is this season, but he was in last season's events in Hawaii. So are they checking that? Are they testing at all? I mean, Joel Tudor won world titles for that. You know what I mean? Like, are they just not testing? Yeah, there's, I mean, I mean, in my mind, who cares? I don't, don't test them because it's not really a sport. I'm not arguing that they should just saying if they're arguing that they do, then your athletes are posting it on social media constantly. You're right. And it's kind of a non-story. Like nobody really cares, except you know who cares? The ISA. Because once you start dealing with the Olympics, now you're getting into some real stuff. And I don't think, I think the WSL is like, I wish it would just go away. Not that they're like for or against it, but it's they're trying to bring focus on, you know, Gabe versus John John. Um, so that's kind of like the, shouldn't be at the top of their priorities, but for the ISA, for Fernando Aguirre, that's a, that's a situation you need to monitor. And I'm sure they do. I'm sure they have a, a full staff of guys that are just like sending out emails. Hey man, we saw your Instagram. What the hell are you doing? Right. And I don't think Alex Smith is in interested no. in surfing in the Olympics or in contention in any way, shape or form, but he is competing in WSL events. Who has a it's, ama- it's amazing the, the, you know, the nature of supplements and the na- and how easy it is for somebody to unknowingly be in violation you know like oh shit i didn't know you know this thing had that in it well it's strange that weed would even be banned as a substance as if it's an important a a performance enhancer yeah what Uh, does it enhance it enhance like dorito intake (laughs) (laughs) and sleeping and making apocalypse now the best movie ever yeah (laughs) um well, congrats to, first of all, Stab for pulling off another successful, super entertaining event. Congrats yeah. to the winners. And uh, yeah, great event. Yeah, for sure. Scott Bass, Real Water Sports is geared up for a Black Friday sale. Can you believe it? Well, this isn't just any old Black Friday sale, by the way. This is not 20, not 30, not 40, maybe 50. No, maybe 60. No, 70% site-wide, 70% off site-wide. Holy mackerel, Real Water Sports, 70% off site-wide. You want to go to realwatersports.com and uh, do all of your Christmas shopping in about, you probably get it all done. If you were me, I could bang it out in 12 minutes. No question about it. They've also got gift cards. They're doing gift card giveaways. Cyber Surfboard Monday starts on November 28th. You could save $100 on all new in-stock boards, but also custom orders. So among their 1,500 board inventory, if there's something, uh, if you want something that they happen to not have, they can custom order it for you and you'll save 100 bucks right off the top on that. So realwatersports.com killing it and bringing the savings and then of course we've got our beloved athleticgreens.com slash surf you are going to be eating uh 
more than normal throughout the holidays. You're going to be eating a lot of gravies. You're going to be eating a lot of butter. You're going to be eating a lot of brown and beige foods, but you want to make sure that you get greens mixed in with that. And there's one way that you could do it. Athletic greens, folks, um, myself, David, both of our beloved families partake in the athletic greens each and every day. It's part of our daily routine and um, you're going to get tons of vitamins, tons of goodness, tons of organic goodness, all sourced from the real deal. Mother Earth, athleticgreens.com slash surf. That's where you want to go. Athleticgreens.com slash surf. Everybody's doing it and it's a 60 day money back guarantee. So no reason not to. And the holidays is a perfect time to get on board. You'll get a jump start. I mean, you need it, but you'll also get a jump start on your inevitable New Year's resolution to improve your diet. So athleticgreens.com slash surf. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Did you get a chance to revisit that localism article? I did. Should we discuss it? Yeah, let's discuss it. Sure. So again, this came from listeners probably about a month ago. I think it got published on Stab Magazine by a it was just a uh, reader submission from a reader named Old Toenail. Uh, never identified himself, goes by the pseudonym. I'm presuming Old Toenail is not his given name. <laughs> um, this is a safe bet. Yeah, but, you know, I think Sam McIntosh prefaced the article and said, hey, we get reader submissions all the time, and uh, none of them make it to print. And this one was well worth sharing with you guys. Okay, and, that's uh, a, let's just start there because it's, is it really what Sam says it is? Just a I random so. email. Oh, oh. Or was it uh, like actually, a? because it, it reads like a creative writing project for, for somebody that's, you know what I mean? Like it, I'm not saying it isn't, and I hope it is, but I also was reading it and going, God, this is almost feels like it could have been done by, 
you know, somebody like Chaz or so, like somebody that's, you know, Jamie Brissick or something and just didn't want his name on it or something. You know what I mean? Well, okay, then. And it's all not, we, and it's all fictional. That's interesting. If it's yeah. fiction, it's incredibly uh, convincing as nonfiction. And the other thing is there's enough, you and I know exactly the spot that he's talking about and where yeah. he lives. Now, the question and, is, will you say that spot? No, of course not. Why not? But it's not my business to share that spot. <laughs> That's right? Well, there's two spots, right? There's a Pacific Northwest spot that we know. And there's the spot in California where old toenails buddy got put well, in jail. Where, for he grew up in the Pacific Northwest, but where he's currently writing from and living is he, a different he, spot. He blew into. That's what he did. Right. He, blew, he blew into town. He's a blow. Exactly. So, so my question to you is: Let's presume this is nonfiction. Okay. We we know who the professional writers are of a certain age demographic, and I can't think of one who lives in that area with that experience who has this, uh, you know, professional writing ability. I don't know of any writers in that area, basically. Well, what I'm saying uh, is that there's there could be a professional writer, a journalist, so to speak, that's like. You know what? There are all of these issues in surfing right now surrounding these themes that he brought out, like um, capitalist society, um, lack of work, um, too many COVID newbies in the water. Like, all maybe I can craft a piece that touches on all of these themes, and I'll do it through the framework, you know, through the lens of this character known as Old Toenail. It could be Nick Carroll explaining his what he's exactly living with in australia but just converting the location that would be a that's a stretch I, i'm feeling like it's it's more like a um you know like a californian that's but that is that is wanting to touch on all of these things and crafted this thing like i think but, it could just be i think it could be legitimate i do too i do, too. I do too. what did you uh so I'll go ahead. I've got a couple of paragraphs that I pulled yeah, that I thought were interesting. Please. So the reason why we're bringing this up, by the way, mm -hmm. the reason why so many listeners sent it to us yes. is um, the entire culture and rules, quote unquote, unspoken rules of the surf experience have changed so drastically in the last five years. And this kind of new wave of surfers, Val surfers, and a lot of the communication or the messaging that you see happening on social media is of the mindset that the ocean, nobody owns the ocean. It's free for all. Everybody deserves an opportunity. And so then you have this kind of other old school mentality of saying, no, it's always been done this way. So where I kind of want to enter this conversation is by acknowledging that those Vals will quickly realize that there is a need for order. If you just go into any situation, any social structure, and don't have any order at all, chaos ensues. And by the way, fighting, violence, pandemonium is quickly to follow. And so the rules that are in place in surfing are based on kind of nature. It's based on a meritocracy. It's based on experience. The most experienced people kind of because they have the most experience, they understand the order and they share that order with the younger, newer people, and that gets passed down. So 
unfortunately, sometimes it gets taken to an extreme where it becomes, quote, localism and violence happens and people have to regulate. But that's not necessarily what you and I grew up with or what we're advocating for. I think what's unspoken is that we're advocating for the order. The order is something that serves a really important purpose. And so this article, I think, does a good job of kind of defining the order and the lack of order currently, and then where those things have clashed along the way. And with in a, in a specific part of California, where it is localized, and um, the locals have not been able to adapt to the times nearly as quickly, and are now spending time in jail, essentially. Yeah. So, go um, ahead. Well, Gosh, there's this thing was so hard to unpack, which is why we kind of like we've been holding off on it. But I will say this that that all toenail is sort of speaking to four things that have sort of all come to a loggerheads, which is an entirely new crowd of people because of COVID, right? So we've got all these newbies in the lineup, right? We also have, frankly. California has a lot of waves that aren't consequential. In other words, you don't see this story playing out at 10-foot blacks or at Mavericks or, frankly, even at – I can't speak for Santa Cruz, but my point is there are – a majority of California waves are the type of waves where these new crowds can just kind of come and show up and pop in the lineup and bounce up and down. Yeah. In addition, one of the things he touches on is – which has been going on forever, which is the gentrification of coastal real estate. And so in addition to these new COVID idiots, you also have only wealthy people being able to afford not not only buying homes, but renting homes along the entire coast of California. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And so that's the case at Old Tolnail's neighborhood, which um, you and I frankly know is, you know, probably the last blue collar rundown shithole neighborhood in coastal California, South of Point Conception. So um, those, those three things add to this, uh, to Otonel's anxiety. And there was one other one, um, but I kind of forgot. I was jotting it down, but I lost. Let me, yeah, let me read a couple of the quotes because I thought that um, some of my favorite writing in the piece says, quote, the whole way the media covers local boys having their say in their own communities is BS. They positively glorify Hawaii and Dahui and all that, always giving up service to the dudes. People have to pay pay in the water and the, quote, pecking order at pipe or whatever. But the moment we try to keep people from being dangers to themselves or others in our hometown, we're told we're being effing a-holes. My people have been here thousands and thousands of years, and I'm supposed to lay out the welcome mat for anyone who shows up, no matter how disrespectful and dangerous they are? It's a well, great point. It is, but yeah, I mean, on face value, yeah, well, that makes sense. But you have to look at the context of it. I mean, in Hawaii, um, the United States of America imperialized and colonialized, you know, Pacific Island chain, right? And um, <clears throat> with California, I'm assuming that Old Tonell, and he mentions it, that he's 
of Hispanic descent. And so, you know, before there was Hispanics, and don't quote me on this, but I believe there was indigenous Indians, you know, and, um, you know, the Spaniards were brought here by Cortez. So, I mean, how far back do you want to go if you're going to ask for respect? Yeah. Well, I would presume but, old toenails argument was I'll respect whoever's been here before me. And that's, I have, and yeah. that's why I'm in the situation that I'm in now As I've always yeah. respected everybody. Now these people are coming up and demanding to be able to do whatever they want essentially without paying respect. Well, again, I, I think that points to the waves of consequence thing. Like I totally get it. He's right. You know, we're, we're always like, well, me personally, by the way, I'm not a big fan of, of, I mean, look, on its face value, like if we kind of pull pull out 30,000 foot level, violence is friggin' lame on any level, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. we need to have civility. We need to have discourse, you know, um, if we disagree to a point that we need to take it to an arbiter, we do that. But if the idea that punching people is a good idea, there's always somebody with a bigger fist. And eventually, I think we've learned through hundreds of thousands of years of human civilization that the smart play is to have law and order and let that that, be totally and that's actually toenails argument and his the arc of his narrative is that he's absolutely come to that conclusion but what's embedded in all of that is that there is order out here it doesn't start with a punch the punch is the last resort And so you have these interlopers, these new people, literally for the first time paddling out to a spot and abandoning respect and regard for all of the order. And so how do you, and then you try to educate them, you try to let them know, and they're defiant. They're the ones who are coming at you, you know? What I'm saying is that in respect to what you mentioned, which is we, you know, bow down to the concept of to hui and localism in Hawaii is okay, but it's not okay yeah. here. I again point to waves of consequence. Like the Dahui is snapping at guys like me and you, like really good surfers from Florida and from France that just show up and like want to paddle out and have the ability to paddle out pipe and catch waves. They're not snapping at the newbie guy that's on a foamy, you know, at wherever, you know, like in Waikiki or whatever. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's kind of apples and oranges is what I'm getting at. And in addition, it's where the waves of consequence thing comes in. The waves are going to sort out everybody in Hawaii. It just sorts it out. Whereas, you know, if you're looking at two foot campground here, San Leo campground in Encinitas, you know, you're going to get all sorts. The demographics are going to be wide and varied. Well, he goes on to say, it ain't even about localism anymore because these days, because the days of smashing everyone's car up that you didn't go to school with have been gone for 30 years. It's about people who live here having the right to regulate what behaviors are tolerated where we live. Surfing is so weird, right? Like everyone feels entitled to do whatever they want, whenever they want. Can you imagine another sport with this attitude? Like driving to basketball courts in Compton charging onto the court in the middle of a game and demanding that you get to play in whatever game you want or charging onto a golf or tennis court like you own the place and have every right to do whatever you want. That sense of entitlement to be and do whatever you want, wherever you want is such a white thing. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's kind of lame. I mean, surfers are the worst. This is this just kept leading me to that phrase that surfers are the worst. This piece, you know, it, and and I do um, want to acknowledge that it's that it's great that there's some evolution in the story for Oltonio and his attitude towards it all, and he seems to be in a better place spiritually because of it. Um, but he, you know, that particular paragraph or quote is one that you and I've used before. I've used it many times through the basketball analogy. And, and it kind of comes down to, like, if you see, if I, like, it kind of comes down to what am I actually going to do? Like, if, and I ask you, David, what would you do? If you saw a guy paddle out and just start going on everything and, and being, and not acknowledging that maybe David's next in line for the wave. Um, I paddle, it happens regularly and I paddle down the beach and just surf. Right. With, not around that. But person. What if you're a, just like a one P like, you know, a, a reef break. That's kind of like one little zone. Um, at a certain point, I'll probably burn him and just say calmly why I'm burning him. Yeah. After, after I burn him, if he, if he has something to say, I should be like, dude, you're way out of line. You're pat, you're back paddling. You're absolutely not taking your turn. You're you're just I'm. You're okay, out of just, line. Let me let me give you um, a suggestion. Yeah. What you might consider doing is, if they're behaving like it's a sport, like they're just going onto the basketball court and they're just going to grab the basketball and start laying up hoops, then I'm going to do that as well because apparently. Those are the rules that this person wants to play under. And so I just do that. I just play like I just grabbed the basketball. Yeah. And then what's going to happen is they're going to go, hey. And then this is what you do. You go, oh, I didn't know. I thought that's how we were doing it. Tell you what, how would you like us to proceed? And I'll do it that way. Do you want total chaos? Do you want the guy on the inside to no matter what, get the next wave? Because I'll play that game. Or do you want to wait and let people take turns? You tell me. Now you've given the guy the power. He gets to lay the rules and I'll play by any of them. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great method too. And ultimately yeah. kind of, as I started this discussion, we'll end up with the situation that we currently have developed or prior to the, the right. vows, yeah. that person will think through all the options and go, Hey, I guess order does make sense. Okay, well, who do we put at the top of the hierarchy? The one who knows the most about this thing. Let's put them at the top of the hierarchy. You know, like we're going to end up right where this the vowels entered the situation. But the vowels saying your hierarchy is wrong and not presenting, to your point, an alternative set of rules that we can all agree on are better is creating pandemonium and chaos. And them then, I mean, throughout this story, them continually being the instigators of the conflict, calling the cops throughout the conflict, litigating throughout the conflict is well, additional look, problems. If the cops come to your beach and arrest you, you've done something wrong. I don't care. Like, in other words, the Val didn't call the cop because you burned him. The Val called the cop because you punched him. That's why the that's why you're getting arrested. Right. So, but in the in the couple of scenarios that old toenail gives where the cops did get called, there is a lot of avoidance of confrontation from the local 
up until uh, it boils over. And the violence was actually instigated in the one case by the vow. And I'll, I'll kind of give the short story. The old local 65 year old skinny 125 pound dude gets burned by a Val who's never surfed there before, the adult and the adult's son, teenage son. After a couple of times, the teenage son burns the local. The local holds the kid's rail and pushes him off the back of the wave and continues to surf. Then he's in his in the parking lot at his car getting changed with his wetsuit down. So he's actually naked. And the Val dad walks up and starts raining down punches on the 65-year-old 125-pound dude. So that old man is getting punched in the head, has no idea what's going on, reaches into his truck, grabs a drywall knife, and swings it in the direction where the punches are coming from. It slices the valve down the face, splits his face wide open. And that guy calls the cops. 65-year-old gets arrested, and he's going to end up doing, I think, 10 years in jail because there was they were able to come up with three or four different counts. So assault with a deadly oh. weapon, all that. So in yeah. that specific example, you know, and it's a, it literally the people, the witnesses who saw it were like, we see a 65 year old naked male, literally he's naked getting beaten by this 45 year old. Yeah. Now, that seems like um, the DA is probably going, we don't think we have a case here. Right. I don't, I don't think we have a case here. You, yeah. You're allowed to defend yourself. Well, I'm not saying I, you're allowed to use, you know, a knife. But well, he did I, use a knife. I, I know, but and, I'm, and he might have I'm had saying priors. Is, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's kind yeah. of I think where this was going, right? As I recall. But uh, anyway, I'm not a I'm not an attorney. I, I'm not a criminal attorney. I'm no attorney at all. So I, I don't you know know the vagaries of how the law is going to play out. But I sense that was the old guy's first mistake um, <clears throat> throwing the kid off the wave. And by the in way, hindsight, I've, in I've hindsight, done that, that's a I've done that hundred times. I mean, yeah, I don't think in that's, hindsight, that's I don't a mistake, think, but that, but that doesn't even, warrant being punched no, in the face. It doesn't. Yeah. I don't even think it's, I think it's kind of like what old toenails talk about. Like, that's just kind of, that's what happens. Totally. If, if you drop in, somebody's going to grab your rail and throw you out the back. That happens every day. Totally. Yeah. So it's, again, we don't have, you and I don't have to come to a conclusion on yeah. arguing this detail, well, but it's, it's, it's an interesting story from old toenail again, that identifies exactly what you and I are talking about is there's this set of rules and they, the locals in this case kind of have accommodated a lot of this change and they're not enforcing a lot of these rules. And now you have somebody showing up for the first time, breaking, 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 breaking the rules, then being the ones to instigate the violence. But then once the they finally are received with retribution, immediately calling the cops and pursuing the full extent of, and kind of what's great about surfing and these rules that we have is this is a sanctuary where we're self-governed and we can just kind of all agree we want to do this thing and we want to be able to share this thing with one another. So we've governed these rules to live within so that we don't have to call the cops, so that we don't have to get involved with all of that bureaucratic, litigious bullcrap that exists on land. So in the sanctuary, let's just self-regulate. But now we're having these kind of interlopers show up and bring all of that litigation and all that stuff, you know? 
Yeah, look, it's it's been a litigious society. I mean, I remember even in the 80s, the very first case, it was in Carlsbad, the very first case of surf localism where a surfer got arrested, put in jail. You know, he had messed, I think he messed with a lawyer, which is <laughs> a bad move. Yeah, totally. Um, but, you know, the, one of the greatest things, besides how great, the reason that this is a great story isn't because I agree with, I both agree and disagree with some of the sentiments here, you know, and and I I think everybody that grew up surfing um, can can relate to what O'Tolnail is trying to say here. It's not that we agree with everything he says, because I disagree with some of the stuff he says. Like there does seem to be a poor me kind of victim thing, like you know, you know, especially like in reference to to capitalism, you know, in the reference to, hey, everyone's coming here with all their money, you know, and it's, it's just so generalized. Look, I'm sure there are some trust funders that never worked a day in their life that bought a Tesla and a van and moved to wherever O'Tolnail lives, you know, but there's also yeah. people that, like you, like me, that are working hard every day trying to make ends meet. And it's tough for us too, you know, Yeah. but, you know, so, well, you know, once you start getting into like sort of white entitlement and all of that stuff, it gets kind of weird, uh, but it exists. You know, there's no doubt well, it exists. I think, yeah, his his end of that last sentence I read, which was uh, doing whatever you want, whenever you want is such a white thing. I, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that's a certain type of white people that do that. And it's also a ton of darker skinned people who have done that as well throughout all time and all lands well look so what that really very, it's kind of it's a racist statement to even say that but it is well hold on. it's specific to a group that he is talking about hold on let me tell you this what you know this as well as i do i'm just finishing a book it's a great book i told you about it already it's called empire of the summer moon about the comanches and the plains of texas and there are one of the main themes is this manifest destiny of the colonialists, the settlers that were in the East that moved West for freedom, the Homestead Act, go West, we'll give you as much land as you want, clear the friggin' West of the Indians. And that was our, when I say our, I mean, European settlers that came to America and moved West, that was out, which, which you and I are, are part of our, you know, more, unless your family flew straight to LA from Hungary. Um, you know, our ancestry is part of that movement West and that whole manifest destiny thing, that whole thing was, this was given to us by God and we are the chosen ones that are going to take over this land <clears throat> and by God, we're going to do it. I know, oh, by the way, we have this new thing called a repeating pistol and you're fucked. <clears throat> and so I'm not blaming you or I, or the color of our skin or our grand our um, ancestors. But what I'm saying is that, that theme and that um, concept of manifest destiny and moving westward and being individual and taking what is yours, it's your chance for full freedom. Um, it, it's a real thing. It existed. I mean, it was promoted. And I think that's kind of, he probably doesn't even realize it, but that's what, when people say that's awfully white of you, I think they refer to that sort of 1850s after, maybe after the civil war, 1865, to like till now really 
when we moved west, manifest destiny, screw all the Indians, we're taking over, we're going to, we're going to, every single treaty we sign, we're going to fucking tear it up. And we're going to keep on moving until we take over this, this nation. Well, I'm not um, ignorant to the fact that some of those ideology and sociological structures are kind of embedded with me and how I operate throughout my life. They probably are to a, you know, not a huge degree, but they probably are. But I also, I don't think of them as my sole ancestors that I'm inheriting my traits from. I think of humanity as my ancestors too. And the Native Americans who lived in America, I also identify with. And I might not have as direct of a bloodline with them, but if you go back far enough in my worldview and religious view, we all came from the same place. And so they are part of my ancestry as well. And so there's kind of a humanity that I also have embedded in me that is sympathetic towards both sides, like you said, of this specific argument. You know, the manifest destiny thing, sure, it's probably embedded in my family's thought process and all of that. And when I go through my professional life, I am trying to conquer all and like take as much as I can of the pie, you know, but <laughs> I have humanity as well that's yeah. embedded in me, you yeah. know? So well, for sure. I was just speaking specifically to that one line that it's awfully what when people say it's yeah, awfully yeah, white yeah, yeah. and and you and I go, wait a minute, man, I was just born 25, you know, I'm only 50 years old. Like, you know, don't lump me in with those people. It's just, it's part of that bigger narrative. And I understand like the man of what manifest destiny is, but there's also been dividing and conquering through oh, all yeah. of humanity. There's no doubt. And like look, that's, let's, that's a part of humanity. Let's be clear that the Indians were complete, what you and I would call savages, based on the way that they treated each other. I mean, that's the, no secret. Other Indian tribes. Yeah, the under other Indian tribes just hated each other. Like they were just, they hated each other so much that they were willing to, many of them were willing to join the white man as scouts to move through and, and conquer, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my enemy or whatever. What's that saying? The enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? Or alliance, you. yeah. Um, so, further, kind of going down the list of bullet points that old uh, old toenail <laughs> makes. We're going down some major rabbit. Hold on, these are these are worth discussing. What are we talking about? We act it's like we're professors at some Cal State San Marcos or something. I don't know what I'm saying. Um, he said another thing that he says is the thing about localism back in the day was that it worked. You made yeah. stuff unpleasant enough to where people actually take their recreational opportunities elsewhere. So that's another important detail is that it doesn't work nowadays. Um, and so your example of if somebody was hoarding the peak where I'm surfing, what do I do? And I say, I go the other way because first of all, I have the option. The places I surf are kind yeah. of crappy beach breaks where there's waves up and down. Um, so I can go surf elsewhere, but also, yeah, it just, that, uh, it there's too many people and the spots that we're talking about, like trying to regulate Malibu, it's a lost cause. You know what I mean? And so it just doesn't work in the way that it used to. Um, yeah, I I agree. And I mean, that kind of goes back to waves of consequences. Like if you're trying to regulate Malibu, go surf Mavericks if you want yeah. waves by yourself. You know, even though you know Mavericks the is other, back, but you're not. Yeah. Well, the other thing about this that. I guess was my biggest epiphany that I hadn't really, I knew it, but I just hadn't thought about it. 
prior was he says, getting schooled made me a better surfer and it made me a better person. I lament the fact that my own son likely won't get slapped if he deserves one. And so I said that there's this sociological structure in surfing where we all agreed to this sanctuary. We all agree to these rules. What's shocking to me is that the vows don't recognize that, that the vows who live under other people's rules and regulations in the real world don't recognize that this sanctuary is kind of like um, it's a garden of Eden and we can all participate and benefit from become better, become more elevated, you know, like uh, the CJ Nelson, who I interviewed a week or two ago, uses the word nobility. You know, when you, when you saw Steve Coletta in the lineup, you're like, oh my gosh, there's this noble elder that I can learn from. Oh my. And then if he happens to acknowledge your existence and tell you not to do something or to tell you to do something, that was a gift. The, the fact that Val's enter this scenario now and be like, F you old man, and then punch him on the beach or, or don't respect any of that, what that person has learned over the years. This is a sage. This is Yoda. We have a Yoda in this world. The other world that you live in on land is designed in such a way that it can't develop Yodas anymore. We have this sanctuary that develops Yoda and you're just going to completely disregard it. That's what blows my mind about the Val mentality is the lack of understanding that this is even a sanctuary, you know? Yeah. And you and I have spoken about this before. And some of the commentary is, is, is great, right? In this article, like some of the stabbed um, reader commentary is really good. And one of them kind of speaks to the last bit that you just mentioned. And this guy, Jeff Collins mentioned, says this, he says, hey, great article. One problem now, and maybe even during the past 10 or 15 years, is I think a lot of these new surfers started surfing as adults. So they didn't get a chance to learn the ropes by the older kids in the lineup. I and most everyone else who surfed from my little beach town started as a kid, eight to 12 years old, and we would be scared shitless of the high school kids who already knew the proper etiquette and who would freely tell us the do's and don'ts. And that's kind of what I think you're speaking to is that you've got 25 to 35 year olds that are like, not only not listening to you, but probably captains of industry in some tech space and just like, yeah. you know, have larger than life egos that kind of that, which we all do, but which carry out into the water. And um, yeah, it, and sometimes that's I think, point. frankly, I, I think they don't even know. Like I no. sometimes go, is, is this like a, a a ski run to them? Did they just get off a lift and they're like, everybody go, we're going down yeah. the mountain together, you know? It totally is. Well, O'Tall Nail does um, find a bit of resolution in his own life. And so I'm going to wrap up with him saying, my days are so much better feeling calm and appreciative of the gift that is being able to huck myself off a continent every single morning to slide a few waves in before work. Um, or before work, then flooding my body with cortisol after getting into it with somebody over some surf etiquette infraction or another. Looking back over the past 30 odd years, I can remember every single physical and verbal altercation that I engaged in, like it just happened, complete with elevated pulse and shortened breath. On the flip side, I can't remember a single one of the conflicts that I avoided. Yeah, that's great. And that's one of those paragraphs that makes me go, okay, this guy's a professional writer. Like, like this, this, this feels like he started out as old toenail and then 
five days into his riding exercise, he kind of turned into this sage. Trim, trim trimmed, pedicured toenail. <laughs> Manicured, pedicured. Um, but that's such a great point, you know, like, because basically what he's just replaying all the resentments in his head. It's just like a friggin' VHS machine. And all this, when you're having a good time and there's no conflict, there's nothing to, to replay. It's all good. Yeah. It's also, again, to your point about how good of a writer he is, even before that, um, before he presents the conflict and before he closes out with the resolution I just read, he bookends with the Tesla experience. Of, yeah. First line is, did you know that Tesla's record everything? And the closing line is about him getting busted for having the same old grappling match with himself that he's been having throughout the whole piece. Which is also so, very uh, relatable, you know? Totally. Completely. I've told you many times that the area for the greatest spiritual growth and the greatest spiritual retardation is in the surf having to deal with all of us, myself, having to deal with myself, really. Completely. Well, it's yep. a good piece. The other thing that's um, of note a lot is a lot of people saying, hey, more of this type of writing. Sam, can you get more of old toenail back into uh, the stab lineup of, of features and or, or have other people, just other readers um, send in their stuff, you know? And again, we'll see how that plays out. Um, I, for one, sense that, again, I'll just repeat what I already said, is that I think that this guy, I think there might have been some embellishment so that he could get and crowbar a lot of different themes into this one piece. That's fine. And um, I think the answer to those requests is that there aren't a lot of great writers writing as a talent. There's not a lot of great writers who understand this level of kind of nuance of surfing. And those who are, who meet those qualifications, you can only write about it a few times. There's only so many themes within surfing for you to extrapolate. And so um, all the writers' names who you and I know have already written about it, arguably for 20 and 30 years, and we're, they're out of topics. And I know you can write, but you're not incentivized really to write. I can write. I just really don't have the time or the interest in writing. If there was a magazine that had a paycheck attached to it, I might dedicate a few hours a day to doing something, but there isn't. And so I devote that creative energy into doing what you and I are doing, you know? Yeah. Uh, you bring up great points. It's, it's all true. And um, we'll see, you know, like there's some people that maybe will have some things they want to share and are uh, as good as writers or worthy writers and willing to do it for free. Yeah. And we'll put it out there. I mean, Old Toenail has, I'm sure, five or six or 10 more pieces in him that um, could be of similar quality and similar interest, but there just aren't that many in the surf world. And then you end up, because you've developed a uh, reputation as a good writer, then they're like, okay, well, why don't you cover a contest? <laughs> and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> and then it's all downhill from there. Oh, Lordy. Is there um, anything worse than covering a contest? No. Nope. No. No. Um, let's i mean we're past our allotted time but do you want to comment on gravity john john florence's latest well i watched it i just randomly watched it yesterday and it was fascinating i really enjoyed it oh by the way last two weeks ago when we last spoke i said nathan florence is my new favorite florence and i'm going to retract that now <laughs> after watching john john and nathan and ivan florence in gravity and just 
um, just make a blanket apology that that was just ignorant of me to say, because after watching John John surf and gravity, you're just like, holy crap, next level John John rail gouges and um, aerials and tube rides. And to wrap it all up, the thing that sort of like is the, the gel of the piece, right, is and is the gel of the Florence brothers, is that there's just this great humility and sincerity. You, there's this great sense that they're still seeking and still want to learn and aren't like all, oh, yeah, this is the way it is, you know, don't you know who I am? There's a real sense of, um, like I say, humility, like of, of a desire to, to learn and be teachable and, um, and to not be thinking so much um, you know, it's there's an old saying, right? Humility, something like humility is. Um, it's not about thinking about. What is that saying? It's something. I'm about, not sure. Um, I'm kind of blowing it. I'm going to blow it, but it goes along the lines of, humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's about thinking of yourself less. Oh yeah, love yeah. it. And that's what I get from the Florence Brothers. Um, the gel beyond what you're saying in this piece is waves of consequence. Like you watch and you go, God, those carves, nobody does those carves better. Those airs, nobody's doing better airs. And then you can argue like, oh, well, what about Robbie McCormick? What about, no, no, no. The waves of consequence. Robbie, I've never seen Robbie on a wave that big, you know, and I've never <laughs> seen Felipe on a wave that big, much less going for the air section and then doing an air that big. And then obviously the best barrels, right? On crazy waves. So everything that you can kind of point to, power, um, her in the comments section, power, speed, power, Florence is what, it, <laughs> what somebody said. That's so great. like the speed, the power, the flow, but the airs, the carves, the barrels, all in waves that are freaking harrowing, you know, like it's crazy his adept attitude at doing a big open face carve on a wave with a crazy double up under it. And he's just like, it's Felipe at trestles. Well, the other thing that you and I often talk about is that, you know, I would, you know, argue that 80% of his aerials are functional maneuvers where he yeah. continues his speed. Like, it's not just like, oh, made an aerial and raises his hands. He's then pulling into killer little frothy barrels coming out, doing roundhouse, then doing another. And it's all part of his line of sight. It's not like one thing. I'm going to go out and do one thing. It's like, it's all connected. I'm one, you know, it's amazing. It's unlike anything I've ever seen. And the clips are quick. I mean, it's a 20 minute piece, but there's got to be hundreds of clips in this piece. And every one of them, you're like, dude, this would have broke Instagram if it was an individual clip. Great pacing, right? In the edit, it was great really music. great pacing. Yes, yeah, super good music. Fun. It was fun. Kept you Interesting. engaged. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Well, um, there was one clip in particular. It was a three wave clip back to back to back. Baron Mamiya getting a crazy one at back door. And you're like, oh my God, who is that? It kind of looked like Julian when he took off, but it was just like so well surfed. And then he comes out, you're like, oh, it's Baron. Camera pans out, John falling from the sky on a wave that's bigger and crazier, falling from the sky, right? Hits the bottom turn, just pulls up under the lip. And you're like, oh, that's a crazy running section. Only John would make this work, you know? Goes flying out the barrel 
And then there's another long running section. And you're thinking if you've ever fallen and barely made a drop like that, your feet are out of place. You don't know what you're doing. If you make it, it's pure luck. But he comes out of that with enough awareness and skill, obviously, to where there's another crazy running section and he runs the length of that thing. And by the time he comes out, you're like, this kid's a miracle worker. Pan out the back. Nathan's on the third one yeah. and it done, it ends up being a closeout, which is sick because they cut to the GoPro shot because he's got the GoPro in his mouth. But you realize it wasn't just happenstance that Baron got the first one and Nathan got the closeout and John got the best one. John is the best. John's <laughs> out there picking the best. He knows the best. He's the only guy who could do it. You know, now, there's another great shot that I hope the listeners get a chance to see, which and I, I'm not sure if you'll remember this, but just kind of cinematog uh, cinematographically or anyway, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's a great shot because what happens is I believe it's John, John takes off, does a bottom turn at big pipe. And then the foreground, there's this insane backwash and it covers up the entire frame as he's pulling in, as he's pulling in the backwash goes down. The barrel's just peeling. You don't know if he's in it or not. And then he just comes spitting out. Do you, did, do you yeah. remember seeing that and going, wow, that yeah. was such, I know that the, the filmer was like, the editor for sure was like, wow, this is a super cool piece. Yeah. Yeah. Very artistic, yeah. naturally artistic. Yeah. Um, well, the other thing that you brought up, which I actually thought about too, you were saying Nathan was your favorite surfer and you're retracting that. Yes. It made me, um, the way that they manage both of their careers and the amount of exposure that they give to the viewer made me think about, uh, brand image essentially and how john john has so perfectly curated his image and his identity in the surf space and by creating his own brand he's able to actually fully control it now and he's not you know uh subject to hurley's latest board shore release board short release campaign or anything like that but by john opting to hold all of those clips from one year ago by the way and build a big piece um, is it's intentional and it's totally different. And so Nathan Florence's strategy isn't wrong, you know, like Nathan keeping himself exposed in our face three times a week or whatever it is, is also proving to be beneficial for him. But the way that John's doing it is akin to art. It feels like he's living his life artfully, but then also living his life in a way that he wants to live it so that he's not subject to the algorithms. He's not subject to our demands. He's going to do it on his terms, artfully doing the things that he wants to do. And we will be grateful to receive whatever we, we receive. Yeah, it's amazing. And it, and on top of all that, it's just so authentic. Like when you said he's sort of curated it and he's done a little bit of that, but it's just I guess that's what you get when you get to own your own brand is that you just be yourself and his, his pure self is just so incredible. And so it's so much fun for us to be a part of, you know? Yeah. I've got a yeah. name for you. Okay. I've John Nathan. I've John Nathan. Would that be a name for a brand? I've John Nathan. It's a, it's a I've been John and Nathan all together. The Florence brothers. I've John. Nathan. Well, turns out they already do share a name. It's true. Florence. Good Florence. Point. Yeah. Um, well, that movie, Gravity, was only available on Stab Premium for 48 hours. So you've already missed your window to watch it, but it will be available to purchase 
I believe on iTunes, maybe elsewhere. And all the proceeds of the film go towards supporting the North Shore or the junior lifeguards on Oahu. Yeah, look, good so stuff. Noble I mean, mission. I'm glad I got to watch it and uh, talk about it. And it's kind of part of being a STAB premium member, which you and I are plugging STAB constantly. At some point, they're going to send us something like, like uh, I don't know. You know what I'd really like them to send us? Tell me. A case of wax. Perfect. I'm always running out of wax, man. Always running want? out of wax. I want a case of cool water, you know, whatever they have laying around. I'm sure they have cases laying around. <laughs> it's not a I'm case sure of, you have preferences. What's your I, preference? I, I'll i take any wax, but I kind of like sticky bumps, cool water. Yeah. Kind of a sticky bumps guy. Me too. I'm a sticky bumps guy all the way. Actually, look at what I got right here. From my last Hawaii trip, sticky bumps. I don't need it here, but... Um, do you like foo? I'm sure I do. I don't think I've ever used it. Isn't that from Brazil? Yeah, it's that super, super tacky top coat. Yeah, bubblegum has stuff like that. So I'm kind of a I'm a I'm also a bubblegum guy for that or that last little tacky top coat. But I think sticky bumps has one too. They call goo. Yeah. I'm not a I'm not a fan of any of it. It's so freaking tacky. Like you wax and you pull the wax off and it's literally a string of material. That's how tacky it is. <laughs> well, I find you know, the it problem, gets everywhere. I find the problem with it is that when you, when you like, for instance, if you take a board to warm climates, it just turns into like mud, yeah. you know, it's, it almost gets slippery. You know what the, I mean? The top coat. Yeah. Because yeah, it just gets so melt when it gets times. melty, when yeah. it gets kind of melty and warm, it just turns into mud. Yeah. Um, well, I would say that uh, gravity is the musty moment, but yeah. oh. because it's not available yet for the listeners who haven't seen it, I'm going to go with something else. Vans YouTube channel. They're doing um, a series of competitor profiles for the upcoming pipe masters. Yeah. And I think they're really good. They're five minutes long each. It's kind of a um, just the right amount of time to get to know some of these people, but there are people who I would like to touch base with, like the Craig Anderson one. Kind of, I was curious to see him because I haven't seen him for a long time. Uh, Betty Lou Sakura Johnson, that was a great little piece. I would like to get to know her. I had not really gotten to know her previously, so that was cool. They've got one with Pua DeSoto, one with Matt Miola, Crosby Colapinto, Bethany Hamilton, Ivan Florence, Kala Grace, and Michael February. So they're, I think they're releasing them every couple of days. They probably won't do all the competitors, but Van's YouTube channel, you can check all that out. Let me ask you this. Is Kelly Slater in the Van's Pipe Masters? <laughs> I know. Uh, I don't I know. know. I know. I just, I was looking this morning. I was like, I don't really recall seeing him. Like, why isn't he? He's got to be in the Vans. He's got to be. I mean, if he isn't, that's a massive that's a full Chaz article that should have already been written. I think that it, his name probably be. was there and our brains just pop uh, glossed over it. I've been searching as we've been speaking. I've been doing searches for the invite list. The only thing that comes up is the videos on Stab and you have to kind of fast forward, but I didn't do it. Well, I just thinking. pulled up their website. So I'll try to find it, but it doesn't have a list of the competitors. No, it doesn't. I already did all this. And it's based, the only place you can get the list of competitors is on the stab video of the, you know, the, like the, yeah. the show that they put together with Nathan. And yeah, that's annoying. That is. Yeah. Kel I, I would, I would bet money. 
you want another bet, I would bet money Kelly's about it. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Well, look, David, we've said a lot. We're only, gosh, what are we like two and a half 90. weeks away? Um, yeah, the eighth, I think. The eighth of December. And uh, we'll see how it goes. The North Pacific is alive and active, and um, we should be getting some surf for sure in Hawaii. Hopefully, some stuff comes down our way. And um, yeah, well, look, David, until next time, adios and aloha. We've come to the time in the season when family and friends gather near to offer a prayer of thanksgiving. For blessings we've known through the years To join hands and thank the Creator Now when Thanksgiving is due And this year when I count my blessings I'm thanking the Lord He made you This year when I count my blessings I'm thanking the Lord he made you I'm grateful for the laughter of children The sun and the wind and the rain The color of blue in your sweet eyes The sight of a highball and train The moon rise over a prairie love that you've made new and this year when I count my blessings I'm thanking the Lord he made you this year when I count my blessings I'm thanking the Lord he made you When the time comes to be going, it won't be in sorrow and tears. I'll kiss you goodbye and I'll go on the way, grateful for all of the years. I thank for all that you gave me, for teaching me what love can do. Thanksgiving Day for the rest of my life I'm thanking the Lord He made you Thanksgiving Day for the rest of my life I'm thanking the Lord He made you